Welcome to the first World Outspoken feature. World Outspoken exists to support culture makers actively seeking the city of God. And one of the ways we support culture makers is by highlighting inspiring makers having a profound impact on the shape of their city. In today's feature, we interview Q Nellum and Sandra Jensen Curry from Arts in the Hood, a camp in East Denver dedicated to cultivating servant leadership in urban youth by helping them develop their artistic talents. Want to see what a day in camp is like? Check out the rest of this interview, and when you're done, the video that follows. Now, let's hear from Sandra and Q about the city they make. Welcome to the World Last Spoken podcast. This is actually the first feature on the website, which we're really excited about. We have two of our favorite people from the CCDA here with us today, Q Nellum and Sandra Jennings-Curry. No relation, as I hear. Um, so today we're really going to be talking about a camp that they run in Denver, and uh, they'll tell us a little bit about that. And so I'm going to let them introduce themselves and we'll go from there. So Q, why don't we start with you? Who are you? Okay, um, well, my name is Q, and yes, I'm from Denver, Colorado, and have been, I mean, I'm not even sure what else to say, except for the fact that this camp has been going for 19 years. 19 years, now. okay. Yes. What's the name of the camp? Why don't you It is called Arts in the Hood. Arts in the Hood. Yes. And where is it in Denver? It is on the east side of Denver. Okay. Is there a website that we can point people to? There is not. There is we not. are currently okay. working on that. All right. All right. <laughs> Well, well, we'll make sure to put that, uh, put the name at least out yes. so people know yes. about it. And you said it's in the east side of Denver. East side of Denver, right? yes. Okay. All right. And Sandra, can you give us a quick introduction of who you are, uh, your relationship to the camp, the queue, and, and everything else? Yeah. So my name is Sandra Jennings Curry. I am currently a nursing student at Rush University in Chicago. I'm um, also born and raised in Denver, and I met Q when I was in high school. And I worked at the camp since 2011, and this will be um, one of the first years that I actually won't be able to work at the camp this oh, summer, no. which I'm kind of sad about. But um, it's just been, it's been a blessing um, to work under Q at the camp for so long. So I'm excited you, to talk about did it. Did you meet because you went to the camp? No. So she was my teacher mentor through um, a previous organization that she worked for. And um, that's how she recruited the worker bees. Clever. <laughs> um, was through the job. And then we recruited our friends. And then <laughs> um, we all got together like that. So I met her in high school. We did Bible studies after school. She roped us into Arts in the Hood in the summer. <laughs> and the next thing you know, it was six years, seven years later, and I'm here. So. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it sounds like it started pretty naturally, right? Oh, yeah. It started from the stuff there. Does that mean that you were – so just I'm picking, picking a little example here, but yeah. does that mean you were doing some art, spoken word, rapping? I mean – uh, or were you just helping kind of build it from the administrative side of things? Um, so I taught Lady Step Team. Okay. Um, right from the beginning. Okay. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had only had a, a couple years experience on a step team in like middle school. Sure. Um, 
but just I had stuff that stuck with me and that was probably like the only art I was good at really yeah. um I'm very much an analytical person so um the last couple years I've definitely been on the administrative side and doing some like first aid Got preliminary it. nursing type of work at the camp are but you the camp nurse basically yes <laughs> nurse Sandra. <laughs> um so I've kind of my role has evolved like that but I started out doing step lady step so very cool Q why don't you Fill out the the arts. Like, what is available at the camp? What can uh, should, should we call them? Campers, kids, students. What do we call them? Them as well. Um, yeah. Just so that moving <laughs> forward, we know exactly what we're we're saying, right? Um, yeah. Tell so, us what, what's all offered. So the camp is a, a Christian hip hop performing arts camp, and okay. so we offer hip hop dance, lady step, guys step, MCs, uh, videography, photography, cheerleading, praise dance, praise dance, praise mime. Hula um, praise, hula, dance. hula praise. Um, we've okay. offered salsa. We have um, offered ballet. Um, pretty much, what happens is every year, whoever is available to come as leaders, <laughs> <laughs> as instructors at the camp, which is what we call them. Uh, I guess. Uh, quote-unquote worker bees (laughs) 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 they come and bring whatever skill or talent they feel they have we have art as well um so the art class is really popular we have tumbling and gymnastics arts and crafts arts and crafts two totally different classes from art that's right art painting drawing arts and crafts like crafts they're making things they're making stuff what kind of things do they make just just so i understand the the difference every year we have a theme for the camp and so the instructor who is running either art or arts and crafts, they will try to come up with different um, activities for the kids to do that relate to the theme. So it changes every year. Got it. What's this year's theme? We are looking at having the theme as I am. And the focus has been on, you know, the story of Moses and how he was sent out by God to really go out and make some things happen. And with Moses' reluctance, um, you know, he had to go talk to God at the burning bush. And, yeah. You know, and he's saying, well, who should I say sent me? And and God's like, well, just tell him I am that I am sent you. But we are looking at the profound nature of what that means mm-hmm. as leaders, that how can you just tell somebody that I am sent you? So we always like to have a theme that's catchy. And all the kids, because we have kids ages 4 to 14 there, can just remember and know and it's like a saying that you'll hear around the camp the whole time yeah yeah that's amazing so camp i'm assuming hasn't started because you you made it sound like that that's the the theme for this right. year so it's coming it's right? coming yes okay yeah july 23rd that's a profound idea july 23rd mm-hmm. make sure we get that on there yes. Yes. <laughs> it is always uh, the last weekend in july so we don't have a website but it's always the same year <laughs> same week of every year got it, it. Is. last yes. weekend of july yeah is it Three-day camp? I mean, what are we talking about? It's actually one-week camp. So last week of July, July 23rd through the 28th. And we have Monday camp Monday through Friday okay. from 930 to 3. And then Saturday is the huge show day. And so they okay. invite all their friends, family, and parents to perform or display all the art That's that they amazing. have learned over the whole week. That's amazing. Can you, can you talk to me about um, the, the choice of making that theme? You know, wh- why did you settle on... Um, the I am theme and uh, particularly for for this group of kids uh, these group of campers why why do you think that age range is it's important for them to to think about um, the idea of being sent out by by the one who can send out just 
by his very nature? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, honestly, the themes are actually really thought of and designed by our staff or our instructors. And we really actually develop the themes for the leaders. We just develop something catchy with it for the, for the campers. Got it. The camp originally was started just to give a leadership platform because, you know, you can do Bible studies, you can do, you know, send them to church. But eventually these guys really wanted to lead, so we had to give them somewhere to go. Yeah. Um, so it's really for our leaders and to help them stay close to the cross, stay centered on Christ, and to help these kids understand why they're really here. So um, even though it can be catchy for the kids, the depth of it is really for our leaders. Yeah, so it sounds like you've got two things happening at the camp, right? You, you've got the formation, and, and you're making something in the leaders that you've, you've brought on, you know, the high school kids that you attract, right? Yeah, right. Uh, but also you've got um, the, camp, the campers themselves, and something else is happening there, right? Yes. That, that's directly related to what's happening with the camp counselors or right. instructors, mm -hmm. right? Right, the instructors. It's really based on leadership development and the whole model of um, passing down to the next generation from the next one to the next. Yeah. So as I help raise up the young adults and the high school students, they actually then in turn raise up the middle school and the elementary kids. Yeah. Um, and it's been huge because even in the camp, the middle school kids will then invest into the elementary kids. You see them investing into each other during the whole week. Wow. I mean, just naturally. So yeah, we you have a story them. you can tell us about camper you saw really investing in another. Um, man, there's so many stories. Um, okay, so there is one young boy who started at our camp at four years old, okay. and he had been coming ever since, like every year, and picked a different class every year. He has been invested to by a really key leader um, who um, started our praise mime group. And um, he came along later in life, but our four-year-old has now, he's a sophomore in high school, and then his leader who started the Praise Mime group, his mentor and instructor, um, now is training him up to lead this class this year. So what happens is now he's passing it on, but that young adult leader is going to be staying by his side, but yet still allowing this younger one to actually lead the whole class. And I think the impact of that is that um, they end up finding each other at camp and realize how much I had in common. And not mm -hmm. only do they stick together at camp, he actually mentors him outside of camp now. Wow. And has been investing to him. And now um, that young adult who's actually, he's a grown man now. But uh, he has his own Praise Mime ministry, puts on Praise Mime conferences now every year. And then this young man actually helps him choreograph, puts together these conferences, and now is working with him. So it's That's amazing. pretty incredible. So yeah. we talk a lot about this at World Last Spoken one you know sphere of culture creating a whole new one and it sounds like that's exactly what happened in in this ministry right yes. you, you've got the camp that started as you know one instructor teaching a, a camper yeah um, how to mime and those kind of things and it developed its own launch launch uh, pad that's now kind of moving forward right yes yeah that's amazing so that that leads me to one of the questions that we had listed i realized we, we've kind of gone through through different um, mm -hmm. trails and rabbit trails here but um, talk to me about the mission, because I know it's, it's, you already said it's, it's related to leadership development. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, wh what kind of model for leadership did you incorporate, and, and why did you think it was so important for, for this model to be present in this community? Um, I have to say, when you talk about leadership development models, they're not really too different from one another. But mm -hmm. I think what happened as a result of this was that this model was developed out of a frustration in our public school system when they were tearing the arts out of the schools. And for black and brown kids, 
um, the arts are key to their learning ability. Yeah. And now, only now, are we realizing that they want to bring it back into the schools. Mm -hmm. It was cut out for the sole purpose that it was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So our students were frustrated because they would have to take their lunch to take a choir class or to take a dance class, or they'd have to stay after school, and then they were getting charged because the schools were not paying for the actual teachers anymore. And they, out of frustration one night at a Bible study, said, hey, we're so tired of this. I could teach art, or I could teach dance, or I can teach this. And they're like, we should start a camp. And I'm like, yeah, let's just, you know, start a camp. We're playing around with the ideas, one in the morning. And then a couple months go, goes by, and this is in the year 2000. Um, so How a couple months. How many kids months. is this? Are we talking? Uh, this is eight high school students. Okay. Eight high school students. A couple months go by. And I'm driving home when I in a van. For any of you who are youth workers out there or understand what I'm talking about, you know <laughs> the, the van, right? The, that van. That van. <laughs> Everybody knows that van. It was the raggedy van, and we had this van. And I'm thinking we could really do this, and we actually planned it in about a month and a half, and wow. actually ran that camp for the first year in 2000, in the first summer with eight high school students, out of their frustration to rise up and say, we're not going to take this or lose our, our, our arts mm -hmm. and, um, and the ability to learn the arts because the schools don't want to provide it, so we'll provide it. And I am a big believer in leaders come in all ages, yeah. and you can learn a lot from the youth, and um, I always do. So we started the camp. First summer was eight high school students and 75 campers. 75? 75 campers, free camp. And we rounded up, we raised money. We started with like $1,200 for our budget. And uh, we even had like hot food then, which we said we'll never do again. <laughs> but we'll get to that. And then after that, each year went by, it like doubled, 150 the next year of kids. And then went up to like, you know, 200. And actually, we've now been staying at a steady anywhere between three, 300 to like, you know, 400 kids in a week. And we only run it for one week out of the summer. That's amazing. It's yeah. always free. It always free. Yep. And the staff don't get paid. Nope. <laughs> the worker bees get nothing but love and peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> peanut butter. Hey, that that's a real gift though. That's or turkey turkey and cheese. <laughs> Sandra's over here side eyeing. Like, Wait a minute. <laughs> no. But they're really good sandwiches. There you go. <laughs> when you're starving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's that's really amazing. Mm -hmm. That's uh, what's something surprising that comes out of that? Because I imagine every year you're you're really shocked that one. I'm assuming the number of the the campers that show up, but two, yeah. I, I'm sure there's new stories that they tell, experiences that they had year over year, right? That they come back and tell you. What's, yeah. what's something that really sticks out is really surprising of the work that's been done. I think what's um, huge is seeing how many of my instructors, which are these college age young adult. Um, leaders who are pouring into these campers and that these campers are really hearing who Christ is and that the Bible studies that get taught and their creativity with that, that to me is probably the ultimate. And then how many kids get saved? Mm -hmm. um, and then for those who are saved, they actually learn more about God than they do at their church or at Sunday school. Yeah. In fact, many parents will come back and say, 
my kids have learned so much about who God is at this camp. Wow. And I can't believe it. They go to Sunday school every Sunday. This was a story from last summer. Every Sunday they're at Sunday school and haven't told me anything about God. But they come here for one day, and they come home talking all about God the whole time. And, of course, all the songs and our chants. But they talk about God, and they're learning, and they their parents are just astounded how, how that happens. How do you think that is, or, or what do you think causes that, that? Um, well, um, best answer is God. There you go. <laughs> Gold star. Right. Thank you. Um, but honestly, it is really their drive, the young adults, not high school students, it is their drive to say, we know how to speak their language. We know how to be around them. We, we, we get it. And um, we know what it was like for us. And they're really sharing from that kind of a perspective. Yeah. Um, so they, they understand them better than we do. So yeah. it, it just, it, it works like that. And they just connect at a level that's, I don't know, it's amazing. And yeah. we see the kids everywhere. We're, they're in our neighborhoods. They're at our Walmarts. They're at any stores we shop at. I mean, it's crazy yeah. to so see th- them. In some sense, it sounds like they just get to see the the story of the Bible lived out by someone that they can say I I can I can get to that place that's right I can that's exactly it yeah I could be her or yeah she looks like me or he looks like me and that's another big difference yeah. our, I mean our our young adults you're you're talking about minority indigenous leaders mm-hmm. pouring into young indigenous leaders yeah. coming up and that's huge and that makes a difference in how how our students learn today yeah it's a powerful cultural story that can be passed down to your point from earlier right yep. you say hey I am like you, and I can tell you that this works. This is true. Yes. Uh, Sandra, some of it, you look like you had an idea or something yeah. you wanted to share. Um, I think also part of it is that Arts in the Hood has its very own unique culture um, with the songs that we sing and the chants that we do and the silly skits that we play out. And I think it allows the kids to truly be kids and to see that, like, even um, – the high school leaders and the and the young adult instructors like we can still have fun and we can still praise God and we can still learn about God all at the same time and I think that that is one thing that at least I know for me and my siblings who came up in the camp um, that's one thing that drew us to camp was just that there's this culture of fun and recognizing that that being a Christian brings so much life and so much fun and that um and Arsenalhood just has that special culture. So mm-hmm. we yeah. talk about culture. Arsenalhood has a very unique one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you tell us more about it? I mean, the, the chance, maybe share one with us if there's one. I don't know. Could. Q might, it might be copyright. <laughs> or something. I don't know, but ask Q. But um, I will share a skit. Um, so we do, we t- usually like take a spin on like a classic type of story. Yeah. Um, so every year at the end of show day or at the beginning of show day, we do um, like a spin on the yellow uh, on Wizard of Oz, yep. um, and we call it Dorothea yeah. and the Ghetto Brick Road. Dorothea, Dorothea, and the Ghetto and the Ghetto Brick Road. Yes. And <laughs> basically, we go through, and each person um, that's an instructor that teaches a certain class, you know, they pretend that they're trying to do this talent, and they're like, "Man, like." I just really wish that I was born with talent, and I wish I had this talent. And Dorothea, Dorita, Dorita. her name changes every year depending on who it is. <laughs> Dorita, um, you know, goes along the ghetto brick road and finds the instructors, and then we finally get to the end, and then all of a sudden we hear God's voice, and we're like, you know, like, God, like, I wish I had talent. Like, give me some talent. And he's like, 
you know, um, you know, we have the real dramatic, like, like sounds that as if God is, you know, <laughs> giving yeah. you these talents and then they're able to do them. But the man then behind at the, the end, curtain, right? Exactly. It, in our case, it's just a booming voice on a microphone that's happening in the back of the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but then at the end, Dorita, Dorita, whatever her name is, <laughs> in the end, she's um, her talent. She's like, you know, guy, like, what's my talent? And he's like, you know, you're you're you have the gift of bringing people to me. Like, that is your talent. Um, you brought all of wow. these people to me, and because you did that, like, you're blessed. Yeah. And we're able to share huge messages like that in such a silly way yeah. that mm. kids can automatically connect to it. They can laugh with us. They can cry with us. You yep. know, but then they get that big message at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's a powerful message, right? Because it expands the idea of what it means to have a talent. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. There's usually that limited list, right? I can either, you know, if I'm not athletic, if I can't sing, if I can't, right? Exactly. I can only do these things. I have no talent, right? right? Mm -hmm. So, that, I mean, it sounds like that is is pushing on that and subtly saying, no, there's there's more to this. There's much mm -hmm. more gifts. The Lord's the Lord's kingdom has a diverse abundance of gifts that, mm -hmm. that you have. You exactly. can share it. That's amazing. It reminds me of there's a church here in Chicago called St. Sabina. Um, people know it for its social justice initiatives. Father huh. Flager is pretty popular in the city. Mm. Um, I, I went once. It's a Roman Catholic church, which is you know different than us in that regard. But one of the things that I find most amazing of, of ministry at um, St. Sabina was that each ministry, it didn't matter if it was the worship team, the dance team, the deacons getting you to your seats. It didn't matter what it was. Uh, every ministry had every age represented. So you oh, had awesome. someone all the way from at the top of the elderly, right? Hmm. And you had a kid that was <coughs> three years old walking you to get you to your seat, right? Mm -hmm. And they and they would take intentional steps to make sure that there was, um, for, for black and brown, right? Mm -hmm. for, for individuals in the city, and particularly in the South Side, to say, no, everyone is a part of making church happen. Everyone mm -hmm. is a part of making God's kingdom happen. And that's what mm -hmm. your story reminds me of, that, that <coughs> idea that um, I in, even in the way that we do the ministry, we, we can reflect kind of implicitly, we can get embedded in that, a kind of story about what God is, is doing through his people. Mm -hmm. um, is that right? Yes. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. I'll have um, to like, take and package that. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's one question that I have for you. It's, it's one question that uh, for people who are on World Outspoken often, they know that this is, this is one of the tension points that, that people uh, constantly address or wrestle with, right? It's this idea of how much change or transformation can we really expect to happen in a neighborhood? Um, you know, what, what can the, uh, to what degree can the church really cause an impact? Um, hmm. um, that, that question has, you know, some theological roots that people mm -hmm. wrestle with. That question has some practical roots that, you know, it, it, it even interfaces with who we are as people. Are we kind of pessimistic, optimistic, right? Hmm. Uh, but the question is, you know, how much change can we really, on this side of Jesus' return, hmm. how much change can we really expect to happen? What, what, how do you guys wrestle with that? at the camp and, and you know, could you speak to maybe the answer that you that you came to as you were doing the work? Um, okay, well, that, that's, a, that's a heavy question, but let me say this, through the camp, what it does is this neighborhood originally started off as pretty much a predominantly black neighborhood. And when we started camp, I mean, that's it, everybody was pretty local, we could go door to door. And we actually re recruit for the camp door to door. We do it old school, knock on the doors, hey, got this free camp. That's great. Got any kids in here? It still works. Right, it, it still works. works. <laughs> it sure does, you know. So for everybody else out there, go door to door. Because then they see you. Yeah. Parents feel safe, or families, and then they'll give you like 10 kids. But um, 
what has happened though is that that neighborhood now is pretty much completely gentrified. Okay. And our church, which is a small black church in that mm-hmm. on that block, um, we just we stay. That well, one, we bought the building, so we're yeah. gonna stay there. <laughs> there you go. And um, two, we feel like for this neighborhood, when they come and see our kids, they realize you're not the only ones that exist in the world anymore. You know, even though you might have taken over this neighborhood for yeah. that cultural group. Yeah. Um, that gentrified that area, they still see that there are other people that yeah. don't look like you that are doing great things in the world, even though it is a loud camp because we believe in loud yeah. hip hop yeah. music joy, yeah. blasting down the street. Okay, um, I like it. but anyhow, they um, I feel like the impact that we have is that we're not going anywhere. This is mm-hmm. that we were here first, mm-hmm. but we're also here to connect get to know you guys. If you got kids, bring them in. Actually, some of the neighbors who are finally having kids. Um, and they're, that says their something kids about are, that neighborhood, their right? Kids they're are finally having age. kids. You know what I'm saying? Gentrification <laughs> coming in. Now they're kind of getting yep. older. And they have kids the age to go to camp. They're bringing their kids, which is amazing. Yeah. Because I will be honest on this podcast because since it was mainly like Latino and black kids coming. Yeah. We didn't have very many little white kids, but now there are more. Sure. Which is great because I really love diversity. And, um, you know, it was hard. But I think for our church, I think it's been hard when you're in an area that's gentrified. We are a commuter church. And Denver, for those of you who don't know Denver, we don't have like central areas where there's just one people group, really. Um, everybody's all over the place. Yeah. And if you just like a church, you're going to go to that church. And um, we're still a real old school black church that um, has a traditional 11 o'clock service that lasts about two hours. And Mm -hmm. I think that people see that, um, and it's smaller and it's a little more quiet. And I think that they just see that we're still here, and we're here to love on you too. And it it is hard when that happens, but um, the kids, they, they don't care what they see. They just come right there. They don't care who's in the neighborhood. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've had some negative experiences, too. We've had the police called on us. We've had a few things happen. Um, and uh, neighbors not understanding our culture, you yeah. know. So, so the neighborhood changed around you. Changed around us, yep. yeah. But the church didn't change. And yeah. so it's ironic because everybody says the church needs a change to fit the neighborhood. But I don't believe in that. I feel like people want to come to your church, they're going to come. Yeah. And um, and it's okay if they don't or yeah, if they absolutely. do. Absolutely. When it, it says something about the fact that, um, you know, as the church continues to reflect that new community made in Christ, right, mm-hmm. that, that new city, if you will, right. people are going to be attracted to that. You got neighbors who came in who were uncertain, That's not right. trusting, right. also didn't have kids. Right. But as soon as they did, they started saying, wait, those guys over there at that church, they're doing something unique. They're doing something otherworldly, different. That's right. right. Um, and so, so I think it, it says something about the power to to transform, even if it is just in that specific locale, which mm-hmm. I, th- I don't think we can expect much more. Yeah, um, yeah. I agree. W- yes. Which is amazing. Here's the thing about that, though: you're changing generations, right? So you've got you've got campers who are going to be running. Uh, you already talked about the the guy who's running his own mind ministry. Yep. Um, so you got you know future generations who are kind of inheriting a yes. new world. Um, that that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's a piece of advice that you'd give someone who who's uh, interested in, um, you know, making something and creating and, and um, starting something in their neighborhood. Uh, what's a piece of advice that you say, hey, based on what we did in Denver, mm-hmm. is something that I really think you need to think about? Um, I'd say, one, you got to 
know your neighborhood, know what neighborhood you're in, and and realize that whatever you choose to do in that neighborhood, um, if it's your call, if it's something you know passionately you need to do, you have to stand your ground, root down, and just say, I'm going to start this. But if it's something you want to include the neighborhood on, um, you have to get to know your neighbors. Like even now with the camp, our neighbors now help us. Like they bring food to the camp because wow. we let the parents donate because yeah. a lot of them don't have money. Mm-hmm. And most kids, this is the only meal they get in the day. Wow. And so we have parents who are like, how can I help? They'll come to make sandwiches, but our neighbors are doing that now. Or they're lending us their tents so the kids aren't out in the sun all the time because mm-hmm. it's really hot. Or they're helping by bringing drinks for the kids or different things so the neighbors are stepping up but if you want to start something and it, and it's going to be in that neighborhood realize that you got to know that neighborhood first and see like what's going to work if you're trying to fit in the neighborhood yeah but if it's something you're just saying I know I have to start this start it and then be ready to um, teach others about why you started that in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and that was my thing I wanted a camp where we didn't have to go to the mountains in Denver we can go to the mountains all the time right but we didn't want to have to drive them out there. It cost a lot of money. And then everything was expensive now. Take them out, out of the city. And a lot of us just love our city. A lot, I'm, a city I'm a city girl, and I love being in the city. And I was thinking, we need a camp in here that our kids can get to, and we don't have to pick them up. And they can just take the bus. So kids get dropped off. They take the bus. They ride their bikes. They ride their scooters. They walk to the yeah. camp. And it's huge. And yeah. um, we wanted something accessible to our kids that cannot leave the city and could not afford a camp that goes to the mountains. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Arts in the Hood, somehow God still wants it to work. Yeah. And every year I say. I was just about to say something about Go it. ahead. <laughs> I'll let Sandra finish that part off. Well, one thing that has always stuck, um, that Q has always said is, like, every year she's like, look, if God tells me that camp's not happening this year, it's not happening this year. Um, and she prays about it, and we're all kind of on edge, like, is it happening this year? Is it happening this year? Um, but but I think that just goes to show that, like, regardless of the ministries that you're doing, um, when you do get into these neighborhoods, that, you know, to not lose sight of, of the purpose of, of why you started yeah. in it in the first place and to really um, to really be be – be connected um, to God to, to know, is this what you still want me to do? Yeah. Am I still doing what you want me to do? Should I be changing something? Should it still look the same? Um, because I think in some ways we, we get comfortable in something always happening. Um, and then we look up and we may not be getting the same results. Mm-hmm. And I think that we just always have to go back to that mentality and, and asking God, like, should I still be doing this? Yeah, yeah, staying connected to God and mm-hmm. staying connected to the community. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. The, those two things will yeah. drive whether or not the ministry fits, yes. mm-hmm. fits within the city. And I want to say another point. I'm sorry, my, my family, my kids grew up in this camp, and they they actually are also instructors and campers and can't wait. Like my daughter's the youngest, she's 12, she swears she's gonna run this camp one day. And I'm That's thinking, amazing. is it really gonna last that long? But my son, my oldest son started the percussion, well, he carried on the percussion ministry in there. Yeah. And we just do it old school with buckets and sticks. Yep. And it's powerful, one of the best classes ever. My, my other son runs the, the Sons of Thunder step team, the guy's step team. Okay. Because he was a stepper and he came up and then the other leaders, they went on to do their careers and my son took over. So this is like, this is a family thing. Yeah. 
too. So it's like a proud kind of family legacy. And when I say family, not just my family, my blood family, but these guys, the instructors, they're family, and they come back for that. Absolutely. Like, they always come back. They have quit their jobs to be instructors there, and like I said, I can't pay them. They've taken vacation time, all their vacation time to be there. These these instructors have done whatever they can to come back every year, coming back from college to be a part of it. And the only reason they don't come back is if they have to take classes or they they just can't or they're working to survive somewhere else. But I think that's the power of it. Somehow God brings everybody back. And that's and she's right. This year was really a last minute. I almost thought I wasn't going to have camp. So for all my instructors listening to them, be honest, um, it was real close that I thought maybe not this year. And then I even started thinking. Maybe this is the last year, but I don't feel that strongly about that. I do. I mean, we're excited. It's going to be a powerful year. Yeah. So I'm excited as well. Yeah. That theme is a powerful one to know that we're Thank called you. by the, the one who, who stands alone mm-hmm. as, as preexistent. He didn't need anything before him. Uh, that's a powerful idea. Huh. Um, and it's beautiful to know, right? Uh, we say we're well spoken, right? Uh, culture will outlast any single sermon, right? Oh, you can yeah. preach a sermon, but if you create a culture, yes. that will go on for generation to generation. Someone will take it up after you mm-hmm. because they know the values, they know what it means. And there's a, there's some preaching that's happening in that, right? There, that's right. There's, some, there's some communication of what is happening. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and it's important to remember that as we build the city, as we make a new city, mm-hmm. even in the small ways that we make them, in, in camps or in churches mm-hmm. or those kind of things, uh, the culture that we make is going to far outlast the mm. sermons that we preach. Um, and yeah. so, so it's important to remember that. Um, guys, I really appreciated having you guys on. Uh, Thank you. Again, this is the first feature that we do for World Outspoken, so mm-hmm. we're really excited to, to represent the camp. Um, and we want to make sure to put some information on there, even if we can put uh, up on our website the exact address so that people mm-hmm. know, hey, on these dates, mm-hmm. check out this spot, get there, and, yes. and camp will be there. Um, mm-hmm. but, but we'd love to do that. Arts in the Hood, yes. camp in east side of Denver. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yep. Um, this has been the first feature of World Outspoken, and we'll talk again soon. If you enjoyed this interview with Arts in the Hood, make sure to check out other articles and features on worldoutspoken.com. And when you're done, sign up for our email list so you don't miss any other news from World Outspoken. <laughs>